Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. A true king searches for what he can give. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, I have our returning guest, Don Shanahan from Every Movie Has a Lesson. And uh, today, we're talking about the uh, live-action adaptation of The Lion King. And, uh, oh boy, it's going to be a juicy week on the internet because mm-hmm. there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of mixed reception from this film. I mean, I... I know some critics who just thought it was okay, some who uh, absolutely deterred it, and some yeah. who loved it. So uh, I'd love to hear uh, your take on the uh, picture. Sure, you bet. No, uh, Mike, as always, thanks for having me. And uh, I, I admit, I fall in the middle. I fall very much in the middle. I completely admit what a lot of other critics say, where it's very difficult to get you know emotive expression and, and feels out of something that is you know, rightly artificial and very, you know, um, almost too realistic for its own good where it's difficult. Like I said, an animated, an animated face goes a lot farther than an, than an animated mouth. So mm-hmm. th- there, there's difficulty there, but I have to admit, you know, the, 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 the film is still very much like it is a visual spectacle. It is a beautiful, really well composed thing where it's impressive. The technology it took and the special effects it took to do it. And, and I can acknowledge that because it, it looks great. If they, if they could have found a way to get a little bit more performance out of its look, you got something that really is kind of special. Um, what helps save it for me, to say it the quickest way, um, is the core is still there. The Lion King at its core is a musical. And um, those songs are still there. That, that Hans Zimmer score that won an Oscar is still there. And when, when the moments need to be the moments, um, that music is there to back it up. Um, the talent behind the songs is, is, of course, not going to be the same as it was the first time around. But they're good enough. There's, there's good talent here. They're, they're doing all right. Um, it, we, like I said, whether or not you can get the most emotion out of it visually that you can audio, audio, you know, audibly, that's, that's the challenge here a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm very in the middle. I gave it a positive review, a three out of five. Um, I, I thought I would be in the minority in that end, but it sounds like, like you said, you know, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is really giving it hell and, and teetering that line of the 50s and the 60s of things. So, yeah, I, 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 I see the other gripes of other people. I can't hate on it to the level of other people that do. I, I mean, David Ehrlich's review from, from IndieWire, if you haven't read it, is a, is a scathing really big hateful piece that uh goes along goes a long way to just really really be spiteful um i haven't i haven't read a lot of like super duper over the moon positive reviews but i think a lot of people are just happy it's middle but oh man i don't know what have you been hearing what do you think of it i know you haven't seen it yet yeah well uh essentially that's what i've been hearing like it's okay and here's the thing with these Live action adaptations of Disney movies, they were never really meant to be live action. And I don't think they, I'm not prejudging the film before seeing it because honestly, I don't really have that bias where the, the movie that was like important to me growing up uh, as a kid in terms of animated films were uh, like toy story, the 3d Mm -hmm. animated pictures and, uh, the other like one was like Batman. Uh, the Disney yeah. uh, musicals didn't really resonate with me as much as a kid. I just I'm in that okay. I'm in that same place where these they're special, they're nice, but they're not you know core character forming things for me either. I wasn't 
married to it going into it. Yeah, so uh, having said that, just looking at the footage from the trailers, it's like, I think in a way this movie is going to be the best that they could do with something like The Lion King. And yeah. the, the, the absolute benefit that they have with this film, unlike <coughs> what they did with Dumbo, is mm-hmm. there's no boring human characters, uh, especially that. children who cannot act to save their <laughs> life. True. And uh, at least this film, it relies on all the animal characters. I think calling this movie the live-action version of The Lion King is very loose interpretation uh-huh. of that word because essentially, and this is kind of a deep cut, but this is kind of like the Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within of mm-hmm. animated films, or I'm sorry, live action films, where basically the animation is meant to emulate yes. live action, but really you're still watching an animated film. And oh, yeah. in a way, uh, I mean, that's the best you can do. And I, I'm interested to see it from a technical perspective, mm-hmm. but... Uh, from a story, the, a storytelling perspective, I'm not really expecting anything new, anything much. Yeah. Uh, I think the main concern I have is, especially just like when watching some of the footages, a lot of the dialogue won't really sync up. It seems like you had these celebrity voices on these random animals, but it seems mm-hmm. like anybody could have voiced them. Yeah, and yeah. I, I the, the benefit with the original animated film was, you know, first off, it came out in the '90s, so it was much more groundbreaking back then. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could see like the animals' faces with the big smiles and the angry oh, yeah. frowns. I like they incorporated some of Jeremy Irons' own personal features into mm-hmm. Scar when they made it back then. And again, you know, it's something where I think today maybe a new generation of children will uh, really appreciate the movie and love it. But, yeah, I mean, outside of that, it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything that's going to blow me away other than its own technical perspective. And, uh, again, this is just a, a almost like a, from what I understand, like a shot-for-shot remake of the original. A little bit, unfortunately. You know, yeah. um, I, I will say you're, you're, you're on the right path with a couple of things where um, the technical side of this movie, I can't dispute. It, it really is very, very well done because um, – and the studios were kind of insistent to us critics uh, in an extra note before we posted our reviews for, before the embargo. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, you know, don't um, – some people are dispelling this and saying that this is live action, and they, they want that notion out there that, that the term they wanted us to use is photoreal. You know, photoreal animation, uh, where this is not live action. Every single stitch of this thing is done on a green screen. There are no mocap performances here. There's no Andy Circus, you know, steering this ship or anything like that. This is pure in the lab computer animation that, that just happens to be very photoreal, and it looks fantastic. I mean, I won't, yeah. I won't argue with that. The layers, the textures, the way they create these animals to be as realistic as they are, is 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 sharp. I, if there's a if there's a knock on it, in, from a technical standpoint. Um, it's very difficult. We already said it before with the expression, but it's also very difficult sometimes to tell uh, similar animals apart in a certain way. Like they yeah. give Scar, they give Scar, of course, his own distinctive look, not as distinctive as borrowing Jeremy Irons' ticks, but you know he, he's a little more disheveled. Definitely a different physical gait and form and shape. But like the lionesses, for example, you can't tell the difference between Sarabi and Nala. You know, so it, that is a place where a little bit of difference would have been appreciated 
Um, but I, but technical wise, it looks great. They story wise, you're right. Don't don't expect much more than what you saw before. The film is about twenty to thirty minutes longer than the original, mm. oh, where wow. they beat they marinated and beef it up. Where it's more than anything. Uh, some establishing shots and guiding transitions get lengthened a little bit. Maybe a few things that would be quicker songs are done a little bit more slower with dialogue. But really, there's not any groundbreaking new additions here. Um, they modernize some jokes and some dialogue. Once you get John Oliver in there, you're going to get something that sounds a little different than Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Seth Rogen's going to get a Seth Rogen play in there, too. So that's not going to be Ernie Sabala in a 90s cartoon voice or anything. So all of that stuff is, is really well appreciated. But you're right. The sync is tricky. Um, the look of it is, is still really good. Uh, I think the other thing to to kind of go with here is... Um, I think this is something that is open for new generations who who maybe know these voices and know these celebrities. It is an easy way in. Um, they really don't bastardize anything in a way where they're they're taking any sweeping massive changes. Where the I mean the purists might want the expression, but they're not going to lose any stitch of the story. So that's going to be fine as well. Um, if there is a if there's another thing to kind of put towards it, it would be um, oh I, I had it and I lost it, but um. Oh, um, when you say shot for shot, when it comes to the technical part, um, John Favreau has not been shy about saying so. That uh, you know, that you know, there are some iconic shots you just couldn't change. You know, that yeah. like yeah, I'm not going to make any improvement to that. I might as well emulate it and bring it in, and of course, give it its new layer and its new look with this technology. Um, but I gotta say, man, even with 20 more minutes, 80 percent of this movie, 75 percent of this movie, feels shot for shot like the first one, which. If you want to call that creative bankruptcy, that's fair in a way. Like you couldn't change or shift this or that a little bit just because you maybe use a different background and a different texture, change an angle. You know, um, I think that gets tiresome by the end of the movie. Like once you get to your, you know, this is a spoiler. This is no spoiler alert kind of movie. We all know what happens. Well, like, yeah. You know. Like, oh uh, my so, God! So right. dad gets killed. You're right. But like, but when you get to like the Scar and Simba fight at the end, if you remember the animated one, yeah. it went really cheesy with the slow mo. They do that. Oh yeah, they, 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 they do the shutter speed thing. Yeah. Uh. Now it's done a little sparky and different because of the, like the fire and the texture. Like it obviously has a different texture and a look, but honestly, it's the same shot again. So yeah. a lot of those iconic shots, you're right. I can't argue about the inclusion of many of them but go ahead and dare yourself to do a little more you know not be so so xerox about it you know yeah. i know that the animated movie can kind of be your most perfect storyboards for making something new but john favreau is a guy who could challenge himself and do a little more other than just the layer the visual yeah. layer is the newness but not the shots and things underneath so that artistically yeah that's that's unchallenging i get that i get that knock that other critics have given it uh, i'm a little more forgiving because this you know once you do remake and reimagining and if you can't beat it then don't try so i don't know it's again i'm middle on this yeah was there anything with the uh new added scenes where although they barely like added anything was it did they feel out of place at all or that it stretched the length to an unnecessary degree no, um, the, the, even though the movie is 20 minutes longer, it doesn't feel achingly long at all. Um, I think the place where you notice it the most, where you can tell that this transition has really been stretched out to be a little different and to show off its, its new beautiful tools, is um, the scene where Simba 
talks to Mufasa in the cloud form a little bit, and then kind of huffs himself to the to the savanna, and the his hair and the, and the and the wisps of his scent flow across the horizon all the way to Rafiki enough for him to realize that Simba's alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. take that scene and really extend it with like it landing in different parts of nature and interacting with like the, the, oh, the tuft yeah, of yeah, hair yeah. that moves. So that's given extra time that um, there's a Beyonce new original song that kind of takes place during the Nala and Simba run back to the pride land to do something about it kind of thing. So maybe oh, that's extended that, a little bit. Does that song work? The Beyonce song? Um, I, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, she's good. I, 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 the song probably deserves a better moment than, you know, the establishing transition from getting from one place to another. Yeah. Um, so, and there's a new Elton John song, or at least where he partners with something because of his age and he's not super performing. In the yeah. credits, the, I'll have to say the end credit songs are completely forgettable, where I can't call those new additions or bad additions <laughs> to the film because they're at the end. Yeah. But um, no, those are the two places where you feel it being longer, but not obtrusively so. Other things yeah. are just a little bit longer bits in terms of the jokes and repartee back and forth. Maybe if it's, you know, Zazu as John Oliver or your Timon and Pumbaa stuff where some of that gets a little bit more latitude to talk, but nothing excessive. Right, right. So uh, what, 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 was, uh, the, what, what would you say particularly stands out with the film other than the technology then? That's the hard part. Um, the technology, I have to admit, is kind of it, you know. Um, there's yeah. not really a standout super-duper voice performance. Um yeah, especially if you're really like, and it's not you or I, but you know, if you're really in love with the animated '90s film, Chiwetel Ejiofor, as regal and as sinister as he can be in certain levels, he's not Jeremy Irons. He's less yeah. oily. He's he's not expressive. Um, he he's he's mean. He's sinister. He he's presence for sure. But he's not Jeremy Irons. So if you're if you're looking for that or you need that, that's tricky. Um, you hear Beyonce's voice and you cannot help but know that that's Beyonce less than being a love interest. So mm-hmm. Donald Glover does fine. Um, Billy Eichner steals the show as, as Timon and definitely doing less of a gay stereotype than, than Nathan Lane would be. Um, right, Seth, right. Rogen matches, Seth Rogen matches him really well as Timon and P- as Pumbaa next to him. But um, yeah, there's... And John, James Earl Jones' gravitas is still there, despite being his Rogue One raspy older voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not the the clearness of 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 timber as it was back in the day, but it's fine. It's who you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, because there's not a super duper vocal standout, because um, the singers aren't given a ton to do. It, it, the visuals are kind of its biggest peak, unfortunately. Uh, the rest is kind of plain and kind of there because it's so copy and less daring it's not like we're sitting here talking about pete's dragon where it was very revisionist and very different and beautiful bigger themes and we just don't have that here you get a copy that's just shinier and prettier yeah now uh we've seen a lot of these animated films yeah that have come out let's see we've got beauty and the beast we had dumbo we had aladdin and now we have uh the lion king and this is like within the span of maybe Two years, yeah. That we've gotten doing too many. Yeah, there's there. I mean, they're 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 going through the well. They're remaking all of these. Mm-hmm. I mean, what <clears throat> what what are your thoughts on them remaking all of these musical pictures? Yeah, I think, think um, that- I I started out in one place and have kind of uh, evolved to another place. Like, I was rereading some of my reviews on these when I was writing the Lion King review, and I go back to the my Beauty and the Beast review. 
and I gave it a very favorable review when other people that did not, you know, thinking mm. it was kind of this too much of a copy kind of thing and all that. And like, why, why improve something that didn't need improvement? And I, I, at that time, and that was, gosh, I guess three years ago here, I kind of said, you know what? Let, I mean, let them be their own separate things. None of these new movies are trying to erase childhoods, replace anything. So I'm at that place where yeah. these can be their own separate entities. We can judge them as separate things. Unfortunately, because they're trying so hard to copy and emulate, comparisons are going to be there. Um, I'm okay with them happening and, and existing because we've remade everything over the time. I mean, Wizard of Oz is a remake. Ben-Hur in the 50s is a remake, you know? So that's going to happen. Um, but yeah. I tell you what, though. I, I, kinda... <laughs> I forgot about Ben-Hur. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the new one from a couple years ago is a remake of the remake. So, But some yeah. of that stuff can get a little carried away. I think here's kind of the thing where it, I know what Disney's doing. We've talked about the corporate greed monster at Disney where – I know what they're doing. Um, the ones, it seems like the, the movies that copy the closest and look the closest or try all the nostalgia points are the ones that make the most money. Beauty and the Beast made yeah. an ungodly amount of money while virtually, you know, redoing the animated film with a couple extra songs here, a couple extra songs there, human people. But truly, you know, was, was trying to emulate the animated one. And it was huge success. Um, same thing with... Uh, all the ones that make a lot of box office tend to be the copies. The ones that kind of go out there and do something a little different, like I said, Pete's Dragon, they're, to me, they're the better movies because they're trying something. They're not copying something. They're not creatively bankrupt. They're, they've let a filmmaker come in there and do something special and unique and make something truly reimagined instead of just a remake. Those movies might be better movies, but they're not making as much money. So I get why Disney's turning these out. I yeah. still feel like at the rate they're doing them, though, they're not special anymore. When these used, to, when the animated films back in the day used to be the one Disney release of the year, and it was an event, you know, like you waited an entire calendar year between the trailer for the next film being in front of the current film, and you know, because they had their usual weekend or whatever, um, they that was when that was the one event of the year. It felt special, but this year, for example, they're just so piled on. I wish they would slow down instead of churning these out quickly and hastily make them matter put a little more finishing touches to them not that the not that John Favreau didn't go in and obviously you know you know dot every i and cross every t technically but this doesn't feel like an event a month and a half removed from Aladdin it won't feel like an event mm -hmm. you know uh, a couple months before Lady and the Tramp shows up on Disney plus we all just had you know and we got Mulan next March you know and we just had Mary Poppins 6 months ago and mm. they're I don't mind that they're doing them slow down and make them special don't make them just another means of a cash grab and that's the way they feel right now they feel rushed they feel copied they feel simple they feel um manipulated because they know they know exactly which buttons to push to get you to buy a ticket well it's like uh i remember reading steve jobs autobiography mm -hmm. and when he talked about the difference between pixar and disney uh, he wasn't wrong, and Steve Jobs mm -hmm. is not one of men's words. He basically said, like, Pixar, they're the real MVPs. They're the guys who are actually making money, and Disney is shit <laughs> because yeah. they just keep making the same old stuff, mm -hmm. and they don't know how to make a new movie. Like, I can see why they're remaking all these animated films because a lot of their own property, outside of Frozen, which yeah. made a ton of money, 
It's it's which I not a fan of Frozen, but anyway, I'm not a fan so, of Frozen either. Yeah, uh, especially after working, I worked in a kids camp at the time, Ooh. and all and yeah, you just saw a bunch of kids singing uh, "Let It Go" a million times. I, uh, I'm that. Oh God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, like Disney, like all their original movies are just uh, for the most part they're just not that good, mm-hmm. and you have Pixar just walking over them. So yeah. they say, what are we? So what can we do? What what movies can we make? That's not someone else's property. That's our own. So hey, how about we make our own animated films? Make them live action. And the thing is, those animated films, I think they worked very well for the era that they came out in. You know, uh, Aladdin was a fun musical that came out in the nineties. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lion King was a groundbreaking musical yeah. that came out in ninety four, which I rewatched for the first time, and then drunkenly purchased uh, <laughs> on, on Amazon. And uh, it's uh, it, it, it's really good. It holds up. It has an amazing yeah. pace. Uh, the each of the characters in the cast is great. Uh, mm-hmm. The songs aren't overused. It's not wall to wall music, yes. uh, but you know, in terms of live action film, it's like I think it could be enjoyable, but nothing uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at something like Dumbo, that was a forty-eight yeah. minute short, you yes. know, and uh, that movie is eh, like it doesn't really quite hold up to today's standard. It's more of a fascinating time capsule. Yeah, and then, very much so. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. You know, the, that was based on something long before the animated feature. Oh, yeah. And uh, the most fascinating thing about The Lion King was that it was uh, actually uh, Disney's B animated team that was supposed to do it. Oh, their I know. It was the Ulcerant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their A-team was supposed to do Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and Pocahontas just got mixed reviews and, you know, didn't go far. Meanwhile... Uh, the Lion King pounced all over it. You know, got oh, rave reviews. Uh, it d- did it win the Oscar for Best Animated Film? Like, what else would have that right. year? <laughs> no, um, yeah. I, something with The Lion King is, um, and like you said, it, we, it's something to completely respect is that that was Disney's best shot at doing something at the time original. Not, I mean, I yes. know they borrow Hamlet a lot, but th- that's something original, not based on some fairy tale, not <laughs> something regurgitated for, for cuteness's sake they made. And like you said, not a wall-to-wall musical they put a real animated drama in between something with some showmanship and mm-hmm. they haven't had a good like you said until, i mean frozen borrows from the snow princess so they haven't had a good original work honestly since then and that's 25 years so now that yeah. they're copying that it's just such a challenge um there was a there was a group of people out on the internet a film group i work with a little bit called feeling film as part of a podcast group mm-hmm. and um and you're in this group now a little bit a little bit where you're posting stuff mm-hmm. they asked the question of um you know, uh, there ca- many people call The Lion King a masterpiece, and I'm right there with them. It's it's too good to deny as as the as the peak of that '90s Renaissance period. And I I kind of asked the question in the group. I said, "What makes the movie, or who makes the movie a masterpiece?" Because I know what you're talking about. There's it's their B team talented directors. The only thing they've made good like that since then is Open Season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like I think 22 people with story credit on this movie, where that's a lot of cocktail napkins and post-it notes that just happen to be squished together with Hamlet and Lions to turn into the Lion King where this is a lucky happenstance of a success where when I ask myself what makes the film a masterpiece or what's the biggest quality that sticks it is that music and that one good that one very positive quality about the new one is 
um, Tim Rice and Elton John come back to retool and and re, and you know kind of repin this music. Hans Zimmer comes back to retune and re, and mm-hmm. reposition this score, and that helps um, because to me that was the part that made it good and was the core of it. And for ha- to have that be intact um, helps. It doesn't. It probably doesn't help because it just adds to the copying nature of the whole thing that we are seeing and feeling about it. But I. But if they were to do a shot for shot thing and then throw some random audio in there of different scores or different takes. It would feel <laughs> random would feel cutaways worse. to lightning when the yeah. girl's being stabbed in the shower in Psycho. Yes, <laughs> right. So for, for that core to be here, the best part about it, it's helpful for sure. Yeah. Well, again, it's it's the Lion King is so ingrained in our memory that mm-hmm. if if you try to make any drastic changes. People could see it as an absolute bastardization. Yeah, and that's I've, the thing. Yeah, and I have a feeling when this movie comes out, a lot of audiences will like it, and they're going to, you know, lambast the critics for giving it a sixty-one percent as it stands now, or sixty percent on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. I think I think so too. I think it's going to make a zillion dollars. I think people will love yeah. it. I think people like the diversity. People like the modern takes in the music. It's going to do just fine, and they're going to hate all of us for finding yeah. it soulless and whatever words other people have put to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and in a way, I hate to play devil's advocate, but in a way, they're kind of right because John Favreau, in a way, is kind of doing exactly what he should have done with this film, uh-huh. which is just just make a faithful photorealistic remake. Yeah. Don't shake it up too much, and I don't know. I with the Lion King, that's all you can do. The right. only problem is it's these... hard to argue there because yeah. right. If some, if you're right, if somebody went in and David Lowry did it and did something crazy different, it, yeah. we would probably would knock it, and no one would see it. And <laughs> Disney knows they need this to make money. So, oh yeah, I, I if David Lowry did it, that would be uh, that would be a very interesting version of the Lion King. Absolutely. Oh, I know. I, I, I mean, mean he. He's he's got one more Disney thing at least on tap. He's they got him signed up for Peter Pan. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the critics did make a great point. Uh, Matt Figure home for Rodriever dot com said mm-hmm. like you know if they really wanted to be creative with these movies, they could have made the film completely silent where the uh, you know animals don't talk but interact yeah. with each other and you know you find a way of communication through that. The only thing is I think audiences would be like. Why isn't anyone talking? What is this? <laughs> well, I mean, I, so, I guess if you, I, I know when they do their Disney Nature documentaries every year, those annual yeah. Earth Day releases that Disney does, yeah. they can't help but put narrators in those. Even though, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Matt. That would be, I'd watch that. Like, you give me a photorealistic Lion King, Hans Zimmer score, no songs, and you just let the body language of the animals emote what you know is happening. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fascinating. That would be amazing. I'd pay to see that. Yeah. The only thing is, I think that would be a little too creative. Yeah. And it would be people want too... their jokes. People want their songs. Yeah. yeah. It's, it would be too diver- It would be too divisive amongst you know a large audience, and you have yeah. to cast a wide net, and you have to please everyone. And unfortunately, that is sort of the creative bankruptcy that yeah. we have in Hollywood today, where. You need to have something that's based on a popular property. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me way back uh, when I lived in L.A. and I was working in Raleigh Studios across the street from Paramount. We had the uh, producer of Once Upon a Time. There was a show on uh, ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, come in and he was talking to us, and he said, uh, you know, if, if, if you try to make something like an original property, nobody's going to see it. But with Once Upon a Time, you know, that was a, that was a show where, like, all the classic fairy tale characters yeah. got together, like Rumpelstiltskin and uh, Snow White and all that. And he said, you know, you ask people, do you know who uh, Snow White is? Do you know who Rumpelstiltskin is? Like, yeah, well, they're going to pay money to see that. And the thing is, it's show business in the end. So as much mm-hmm. as we want to complain about the oversaturation of Marvel films or the oversaturation of these live-action Disney remakes or how Disney owns everything, including the X-Men now, the problem yeah. is they're, they're, they're gonna, it's going to keep bringing money and it's going to keep getting asses and seats in theaters because mm-hmm. pe- this is the way the nature of the beast works. It always it was going to be this. You know, yeah. ever ever since uh, I mean, because before Jaws, uh, which uh, subsequently followed with Star Wars, you know, they, they were not making as much money in ticket sales, and it was just a natural, unfortunate evolution of the blockbuster where the secret sauce was finally made, where you know movies could bring about money because filmmaking in the end is very is extremely complicated gambling, you yes, know, it is. yeah. So, you know, either your movie's going to be a hit or you're not. And you know what? If you're going to roll a bad hand on a blackjack table with the Lion King that's not going to be as creative as you would like it to be, or you try to make a totally original Disney property, it's not going to work as well. Because, folks, for over an era now, you know, it's been like 20-some years, they want to invest in the familiar. But, you know, having... So, yes, it is a reflection on you know maybe uh, th- this these live action adaptations of Hollywood's lack of creativity, but at the same time, uh, 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 coming from a business angle, it's yeah. also something that's just a natural um, continuation of yeah. the system that we have today. And uh, the Lion King, you know, we might complain about how you know in a way creatively it does nothing new or unique, but you know what, it, if it's going to make money and if it's going to make kids happy, who are we to argue about it? <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like, I, I know what Disney's doing. They're, 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 they're making something shiny and pretty that they know is going to make money that is, like you said, risk adverse, you know, and, and yeah. it's, it is hard to fault that. They put enough talent there to make sure it's not an embarrassment. You know, John, John Favreau's fine. You know, Donald Glover's fine. He sells tickets. Beyonce's name is huge, you know, so... They know what they're doing. Um, it's making money. It, it's from a business end. I, I can't fault them, you know. And if people want to get jealous, or if other studios want to get jealous, make better movies, make better things that can compete, and you don't <laughs> exactly. have to always bow to Disney. Then, yeah, because you know what? Every every studio, we we want to complain. Oh, we hate Disney, but it's like, guess what? Within like all the blockbusters this year. Like, Disney's been the most consistent ones, you know, with yeah. Endgame, with Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, what else did they come out with? Oh, with the Toy Story, you know, as Pixar, mm-hmm. but still Disney produced it, Toy Story 4. Like, they're the ones that are being the most successful they are. With, with, with films that are actually good. And yeah, you see like other... Disney, is, Disney yeah. shores themselves up enough where... Success for them has bred some dominance where they can they can go out and buy good talent. They can buy corrective things. They can buy good marketing to shield things up. They have enough brand recognition where I don't want to say too big to fail, but man, their their quality level, even though us critics will knock a thing here or there, myself included, but their 
they're doing enough to get people to come in and not notice, and it's working. Yeah. And they have not made a downright flop, like real embarrassment flop in a long time. Yeah. You know, um, I can't I, even call John Carter a flop. John Carter oh, made yeah. money back, you know. Really? Oh, it, by the time you put international sales and, and media to it, it did fine. Oh, my gosh. Well, I would have never thought that. Yeah, poor Taylor Kirsch. She seems to be, like, cursed with being and things that should be good that turn out to suck. Yeah. Like, yeah, True Detective it, Season 2 or something. You know? mm -hmm. He'll <laughs> or, find or, his way. He's too good of a talent. I, I don't mind the guy. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just an unfortunate case where you where you're in something thinking of anyway, but the thing is like look at what these other studios are doing. They're they're fucking up on all ends. Like oh, I know. It, look look at Fox with what they did with Dark Phoenix. Like not yeah. only did it fail, but people wanted it to fail. Uh, hell, even I saw the trailer, I'm like, I hope this thing fails. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> because it's like it, it was just such a it, it was just proof. Like everyone, including Sony, just you know, when they did Amazing Spider Man, they just prove constantly to Disney that they don't know what they're doing with their property. Look at mm -hmm. Warner Brothers with DC. You know, yeah. and I'm not a DC versus Marvel guy. I don't care no. where my comic books come from. It's Same just here. how the companies handle the property. And I think they're trying to be too smart. Like, you know, because I think they feel like, well, we got to do something different that Disney is staying out from Disney or we're going to look like we're copying Disney. I, maybe try copying Disney. You know, they're, they're really successful and not screwing up their characters because they didn't try to dare to be so different just to stand out. Go ahead and copy them. Make your That's money the same money did. they're doing. Yeah, Shazam, Shazam finally figured it out. Like, no, make a lighthearted comic movie because comics are lighthearted. You don't need a doom and gloom Superman just to say you can push an adult button and show some maturity. <laughs> you can, you don't need maturity for something that comes from, unfortunately, I hate to say it, more immature places than than mature. You know, if you want to make a hardcore Batman movie like a, like you know. A, a PG-13 borderline R movie, Nolan did it already, you know? But now that you're trying yeah. to make these bright and sunny things to make bright and sunny money, stop putting Zack Snyder in, you know, gray filters on everything, you know? Just, oh, yeah. yeah, just Shazam gets it, and Disney will, or I should say Disney, Warner Brothers will, of course, correct, but has the damage been done enough where they can't? And then, you, like you said, you see Fox waving their white flag and selling. So there goes, like, what I'll miss about Fox is their whole animation division, which did okay work trying to be yeah. a different thing next to Disney, but now all that's just going to get absorbed. Fox Kids was an absolute staple of my childhood. Mm -hmm. yeah, that well, even, was their, actually... even their animated stuff, like big screen stuff, like I'm not a Minions guy, but like some of that, well, that's Universal, yeah. but like the Fox Animation Division, like uh, Ice Age and stuff, wasn't that bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, in terms of animated films, like none of them, like honestly, it's just... Ever since I was a kid to today, I'm like, is it not Pixar? Eh, I don't care. Like, DreamWorks started off good with Shrek 1, and then they start, mm -hmm. and then they made a million other Shreks, and and, yeah. and they burned that to the ground. You know? Well, like, <laughs> so. well that, that's the thing. Like, you know, when, when they get success, they want to repeat it, and there come the sequels, and we've got... And no one's going to say franchise fatigue and sequel fatigue or, or comic book fatigue, but I think people have sequel fatigue. So yeah. if they, as long as you can keep bringing original works... That's what makes people notice it. And at some point, Disney may run out of that. But Pixar keeps saving their butt with the new stuff. I will say uh, one thing Disney, surprisingly, is has struggled with the most is Star Wars. Above yeah, everything. I else. agree. I, oh, man, I'm really worried about the new oh, film. Because I, I heard this theory online from this YouTube channel called Red Letter Media. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if you're aware of it. No, but, but I saw your post earlier. 
Oh god, it's horrifying. This isn't a spoiler. This is a th okay. theory, but what they said is and I'm horrified they're going to be right because they've been right a like a lot. I mean a lot of times about other uh Disney Star Wars films and they do the predictions. Uh there's a quote from JJ Abrams where when it came to the uh the new um film uh, mm -hmm. What he said, what he could, what could he do creatively? There's a quote from him in the Vanity Fair article where he says, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want," and mm. that made uh -oh. me. And what's the one thing uh, that a lot of movies, in particular, Avengers Endgame, does as a plot device is time travel. Oh so, no! Yeah, don't. That's a Star Trek thing. Save that for. He already messed that up in Star Trek. Yeah, I'm thinking Don't, he's gonna no. do it with this oh, because we're so out of place. Where can you? Because where can you go for? How can you go forward after the Last Jedi when basically there was nowhere left to go? They kind of, yeah. they kind of left everything stacked. Like J.J. Abrams is not creative enough of a writer or director to come up with anything new or and and he hired. Uh, as a co-screenwriter, the guy who wrote Batman versus Superman. Oh, is it Chris Terrio? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did write Argo, but that was he a long time Argo, ago. He did write Argo, but, oh, you know, that's scary. Yeah, and, and he's coming in to write it at the last second, and that Batman versus like Superman and Justice right there. League, yeah, was written in the last second, but, yeah, that's oh, a whole boy. other thing. Yeah, <laughs> if that yeah. happens, I'll be cool when I'm in the theater, but as soon as I get my car... I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> you know? But you but. know, but the thing is, like we said with the business end, they're going to get our $9. They're, it's going to make money. Well, unless the reviews for that one isn't good. I think The Lion King can survive a 60-some percent. I think I so, don't, too. I don't think uh, The Rise of Skywalker can. Because you know, a Star Wars film at 60, we haven't seen that, have we? Not since uh, a, a prequel. Yeah. Or uh, actually, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. even 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 these new ones hit eighty. Yeah, like they're they're yeah. floating okay. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna so, be interesting to see. That. Yeah. So with these Disney reimaginings to put ourselves back on the topic, how you feel about yeah. the Little Mermaid coming next? Yeah, oh like, god, that's the next so, big one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'll be good. <laughs> I think that there. Yeah, are... depends on. I, I forgot who they even have in charge directing it. I gotta look that up. Yeah, I mean, maybe if they do something that's not completely like a copy and paste of the original, that's great. Uh, having said that, I'm fine with the casting, but of course, you know, you have a lot of insular men who oh, wear yeah. red hats that are going to, you know, who are already pissed off about the whole casting of Ariel. Although they don't know that originally the writer of The Little Mermaid was bisexual and the man he was mm -hmm. loved with couldn't really accept him. And Ariel was a reflection of wanting to be normal within society. But, eh, you know, don't don't think about history. We want her to be a redhead who's supposed to be 16 but looks like she's in her 20s that That's perverted right. men can get horny to. Uh but yeah, with this one, uh, we'll see. Uh, I, think I see it'll who's be... directing in here. It's looking like Rob Marshall, who did yeah Mary Poppins. He did he Chicago. Did, uh, he did uh, Chicago. So you're gonna get Toronto. you're gonna get song and dance. Yeah, and that yeah, that's... it's gonna be the same thing. I think it's gonna it's... be the same exact. Well, film. I think so too. I think they see that copy sell. 
the, yeah. the, the, the closest emulation is good. A little wrinkle, a little twist here, like they're already doing with casting, but they're, yep, I expect all that talent to just show up and be that talent. Yeah. The one that looks okay is Mulan. It looks like they're going to make that like an action picture. Yeah, like cool. a serious film. Take the musical out of it. I'm cool with that, too. Yeah, take the I don't want the music in it. Yeah, honestly. make a, make, a, uh, make a wuxia film for children for a change, you know? That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, because, uh, so here's my question with the new Lion King. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, although I kind of went on a rant, but... <laughs> nah, you're good. Yeah. Um, do, do the interpretations of the classic scenes resonate as well Ooh. as the classic scenes like you know Good when question. for example oh spoiler of a movie that came out in 1994 when uh <laughs> when mufasa dies is that as effective because you know everyone talks about how they cried um, when that happened and all that it's it's difficult because um i think 50 50 um 50 50 because the the spec the spectacle of the moment is there and the music's still there but we're back to what the other critics have said. You have this, these semi-expressionless, realistic animals that can't make that, that Simba face of shock and cry and the poke, the poke your dad with that raised eyebrow look of horror, and you don't have that. So yeah. if you need the facial expressions of that moment, it's difficult. If the body language and the silence of the moment is enough, you're okay. But yeah. I have to admit, the visual helps. So it's it's partially effective, partially effective, but you're, you're missing a layer. You're missing a layer. Well, when you just see, uh, uh, Bufasa's face when Scar gets his claws on him and he makes that big, ah, expression. Uh-huh. And the light goes like, down feel... and the eyes glare. You don't yeah. have that either. It's hard. Yeah. You don't, cause animation, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people like to knock animation, but look at the animated films, uh, they do so much more than live action does in so many yep. ways. The best Spider-Man movie we ever got was an animated film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a live action one. But people want to talk about the live action one because it's harder to do in terms of emotional expression that we don't really uh, notice as much. Yeah. But I agree. I the expression, The expression is the missing component that is either going to be okay for you because you're not super attached to it or it's going to be a deal breaker and for a lot yeah. of people it's been a deal breaker yeah i think the avengers would be amazing if they rebooted it as like an animated oh yeah series. yeah but or even yeah. even i think i was even thinking with pixar or with pixar like if yeah. you reanimated the lion king with today's technology of of cgi animation let yeah. pixar do it um that would yeah. look great. Like you can have more, because mm. like you, we just saw Toy Story four, where we have really great textures and really great looks to different uh, layers and things and, and 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 materials. But they still, all those characters are still wildly expressive. Let Pixar yeah. make a Lion King remake with all of that heart and 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 dazzle, where it'll still look great, but you're gonna you're not gonna lose expressive animation. It'll still look cartoonish enough. But still yeah. better, you know, because honestly, the animation of Lion King isn't great, you know, of, of the old one. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing to write home about in terms of 3D depth and this and that, you know, like not the way that other films have been since. But, yeah, if you could just not lose the expressiveness but still have something bells and whistles, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, I, that, that's that's the main thing is uh, 
live action cells and people want to see that. I know it's not live mm-hmm. action, photorealistic. Photorealistic <laughs> according to Disney, yeah. Yeah, I guess they got a lot of flack for that. But, uh, I mean, having said that, you gave that this movie a three out of, uh, three you out of five. five stars. Yeah, yeah. J- yeah. just enough to recommend because it is so visually pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like for for what for what uh, Favreau had to work with, I think he probably did the best job that he could. Yeah. But having said that, we'll see how it turns out in the end. That's right. Uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts when they come in. Can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting us uh, seeing that amongst an audience. You know, I'll probably get yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, children and their parents who overreact to everything. Uh, so. Yeah, having said that, uh, that that's everything I have on the Lion King. Yeah, me too, sir. And, Always good yeah. to talk. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was great talking to you. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, let's see, what's the next uh, Disney animated film coming up now? Is it? Uh, it might be Mulan in March. It might be Lady and the Tramp on Disney Plus in November. We've got a little uh, lull here. Or Frozen. I'm not even going to see Frozen. That was the first but... movie I ever saw in the theater was Lady and Tramp. Although, well, oh, I, there mean, you go. I think it was a re-release that they sure. had in the Probably. Uh, 90s. But, yeah. Oh, God. Are they doing Bambi in live action? Not yet. I'm sure our time will come. That's going to be... Yeah, that's going to be messed up to see Ooh, Bambi's yeah. mom get shot in live action. Yeah. Uh, but that I remember seeing that as a kid, and even as a kid I thought, Jesus, this is mm-hmm. dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. All right, anyways, thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks Guys, for having me. Check out uh, Don's website, Every Movie Has a Lesson. The amount of stuff that he covers is Insane. Uh, his well, website you, is jam-packed with material, and it's great stuff. Um, uh, having said that, thank you so much for coming on. You can check me out at ypareviews.com. The YPA stands for you'll probably agree, uh, or maybe you'll not agree, because a lot of people have said that to me jokingly. Oh, you should call it, you'll probably not agree. Yeah, very clever. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Later.